0: Hello and welcome, Sabbath School leaders and Sabbath School enthusiasts from around the North New South Wales Conference. We are excited to have you here as we open up a brand new quarter in studying how to interpret Scripture. And right from the outset, I mean, we have to understand that the whole idea of trying to compartmentalize the ideology of interpreting Scripture into one specific meet-all-needs kind of a box is... Is actually an impossibility, and, and, and so it should be. I mean, we each have our own uh, individual life experience and perspective based on that experience, which guides the way that we interpret everything that comes at us, whether it be biblical or whether it be from some other source, say a relationship in our life, somebody will say something and we will interpret it uh, either the way that they intended or not. Um, But in any case, it's going to be not so much tainted, but it's going to be skewed or it's going to be impacted by our own perspectives and personalities. So I think from the very outset, we need to make it very clear that we are not here to attempt to try and bring uh, a, a, a prescription to the way in which we interpret scripture, but really just give us overarching principles which can protect us from becoming imbalanced or uh, a bias in our perspectives of what scripture is saying to us and to give us some form of principled uh, determination when it comes to uh, understanding what the Bible is trying to say for us in our everyday life and what it's trying to say for our uh, communities and for our church at large and for the world. So with that brief caveat, let's dive straight into the lesson. And I love how the lesson opens up with one of the most uh, poignant verses. And I love how it's just found right in the middle of the Bible as well. Psalms chapter 119 and verse 105. Psalms 119 and 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And this could very well be the, uh, the scripture for the entirety of this quarter's lesson, as it is just so powerful relevant especially in this context of this whole coronavirus and everything going on in the world around us and there is so much uncertainty and there is so much I guess darkness and it is so comforting and reassuring to us that we have the very word of God that can give us uh, you know stability and peace amidst the circumstances but one of the really important important interpretive tools that I think we need to apply in this circumstances, that of contextualizing what we're reading about. So in this particular context, we have David, and he is writing this psalm from personal experience. So David has found the word of God to be a lamp to his feet and a light to his path. And I guess the question comes very strong through to me that Is the word of God a lamp to my path? In other words, have I experienced the word of God to be very real to me in the sense that it is literally a light to my footsteps? Or is it just something that we read about? Is it just something that we put on the shelf and keep it there for uh, when we want to go to church and look the right part? Or is it something that's very real and very practically relevant to us in our day to day? Now Saturday's lesson has been titled The Uniqueness of the Bible, and I would say that this is probably one of the most unique factors of the Bible. That a book that has been composed of more than 40 different authors and written over the span of about 1500 years can somehow be made to be relevant to my day in my context, individually, as well as as a community of believers or as a community at large. But as we've just been talking about, it really comes down to personal experience. I mean, it can only affect your life as you allow it to. And I'm reminded of the verse in Psalms chapter 34 and verse 8 that says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. It's a matter of you cannot actually... Uh, somehow download your experience of finding the Bible relevant to somebody else. You can tell them of your experience. You can tell them of how the Bible has been a guide to your life in some specific circumstance or some context. But unless the person actually experiences it for themselves as a light to their path, as a lamp to their feet, they will not actually be able to recognize the uh, sacred or inspired nature of the book itself. The second point about the uniqueness of the Bible that I wanted to make note of is the intricacy and the complexity of the Bible, which has often been a source of conjecture or questioning of the divine inspiration of the Bible. And I was recently reading some writings of Ellen White that were quite clearly articulating how the very fact that the Bible is so complex and so intricate and has so many different layers and uh, connections between itself from beginning to end. Um, it seems to be disorganized and uh, uninspired, but is actually an evidence of the fact that it is inspired, because if it was uh, able to be completely understood or completely deciphered by humanity, the, the finite mind, then you would expect that it was sourced from a finite mind. But the fact that we cannot comprehend the entirety of the Bible, or we cannot understand uh, every mystery and and thing that we read on a regular basis, um, is very powerful evidence of its divine inspiration. And I find such comfort in that fact, because uh, when I was very early on in my Christian journey, I had a mentor that said to me, look, you're never going to fully understand everything in Scripture so don't try. I mean, don't don't beat yourself up when you can't understand something. And they, they, they gave me this metaphor. They said, just literally just take that thing in your brain and put it on the shelf. And in time, you will find that God will bring it to your remembrance when it's time for you to understand what that concept was all about. And I remember the words of Jesus when he was speaking to his disciples and he says to them, I have many things to share with you, but you cannot bear them now. And uh, God in his mercy shields us from i guess complete comprehension because of the fact that we are just not able to handle it at this point in our experience and i guess it's kind of like what paul says to uh, the church in corinth where he says 1 corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1 to 3 if you're reading there And I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. There is a certain point in our experience where we are just not able to comprehend or absorb or apply or digest the things that uh, would otherwise be revealed to us. And so God in his mercy shields that. And I think this is bringing relevance to something I've recently been studying about God shielding us from his ultimate glory. In the the book of Psalms, it says that he makes darkness his covering and his pavilion in the Clouds. That's Psalms 18, If, in case you were wanting to reference that. And to expand that point, I mean, at that point, when we see God descending in a literal sense into the thick cloud onto Mount Sinai, it's uh, at a time when Israel is waiting to receive revelation of God and his glory through the writing of the law on the tablets of stone. But at that point in time, when God speaks from the mountain, uh, the people are not yet in a position to be able to bear what is being spoken of by God himself and they cry out to Moses, don't let God speak to us because we are unable to hear him we fear for our lives but how about you go and speak and intercede on our behalf and when he speaks to you then you can speak to us so so they're actually crying out and, and, and I guess what they're saying actually touches a chord in the human experience where if we were to have God's full revelation of his glory then we would be incinerated I would assume. So in that sense we can actually praise God that he doesn't reveal everything that is hidden within the depths of scripture as we would sometimes want it because we don't really know what we're asking for. We really don't know what we're wishing for. And this brings me back to the original memory text Psalms 119 105 and it says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In that it's not saying that this is the lamp that's going to illuminate the entire the entire uh, experience that we're going to have from now until the day that we die, the day that we see Jesus. It's, it's, it's like saying this is the lamp to my feet. It's like each step in front of me, the lamp guides me each step along the way rather than seeing into the far reaches. And I think this is something that we need to remember that, that God gives us bread for the day. He doesn't give us bread for the week. He doesn't give us bread for the, the next month. Um, because chances are likely we're, we're, we're not good enough steward to be able to deal with it and ration it out to ourselves effectively. Um, and similarly with the word of God uh, being such a unique book and having all these mysteries that are, that are covered in what appears like darkness, but in actual fact, it's God's mercy protecting us. Um, this, is, this is the means by which the lamp is the, 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 the word is the lamp to our feet step by step. Moving on to Sunday's lesson, the living word of God, it's titled. And I think that this is just a, a huge concept that we do not have the time to cover in this particular lesson. But we're just going to give a brief overview with some ideas that, that I've had surrounding the, the word of God being the living word of God. And I want to start by saying that there is a verse in John chapter 17 that says in verse 17 of John 17, Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. And he, inherent in these words of Jesus, as he's just about to go to the cross in his final prayer, he's, he's saying to God, use your word in, in, in the dual application of the sense of the word, in, in, in one sense, we have Jesus himself as the personification, the, the incarnation of God himself, as well as the word of God, the, 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 the Torah and the word of God that the Israelite nation had up to that point. And he's saying to God, use these two means... To uh, manifest yourself in sanctifying these people, in in purifying them, in setting them apart for a holy purpose, and it doesn't really make sense to me how God can use the Word of God to change my life. I don't understand the actual mechanisms of that taking place. But what we can see is evidences, and you know, when Jesus says, "By their fruits you will know them." Similarly, in the Christian walk, when you see somebody, you can know whether the spirit of God is working on their heart, whether the word of God has been purifying, whether, the, whether whether the experience of knowledge of Jesus Christ and understanding his character has been having an effect on him by the way in which they hold themselves, the way in which they interact with each other, the, the way in which they manifest them, themselves to people. There is something inherently divine about the word of God and the way that it affects us. It's, it's like somehow the change happens in and of itself imperceptibly to the person that the change is happening within to give you an example i had my brother who uh well like all of us had a number of different character flaws and um, i remember those character flaws um, it's often easier for us to see other people's character flaws than our own uh, but i remember him uh, going on a missionary journey who was overseas for a number of years um, and i didn't get the chance to actually interact with him on a regular basis And then he came back uh, for a furlough and I remember talking to him and saying, you know, wow, there's been some huge changes in your life. And he was saying to me, I don't recognize any of the changes that have taken place. I can't see any changes. I feel like I'm the same selfish, <clears throat> um, carnal human that I've ever been. And, and I started to articulate to him, I said to him, you know, this is this has changed and this has changed and you're now so much more patient than you once were, so much less uh, liable to fly off the handle and uh, and get angry about the, the menial things. And I can see huge character development uh, in this person because of the sanctifying word of God that he had been spending so much time with and the experience he had had in applying that to his life experience in the context of the mission field. And I find so great encouragement in that because sometimes when I look back at my own experience, I don't see the growth factors. I don't see the development. And I'm like thinking to myself, you know, is the study of the scriptures worthwhile? Is it having the impact that it should be happening? And and we can just rest assured that, that God's word is living. Just as his word is living to the extent that he can say, let there be light, and there is. It's like what he says will happen, will happen the moment that he says it. What we need to do is accept and believe in that as it is and act as if that is the reality after we have spoken the words ourselves, because he is God, he loves us, and he's prepared to fulfill his promises if we fulfill the conditions of those promises. And I love the way that Moses uh, says the same thing uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verses 45 to 47. We won't go through all of it, but he's just basically finished speaking everything that the Israelites needed to remember as he knows he's about to go and die Um, and he's he's just told them everything they need to remember and then he says to them in verse 47 "...for it is no empty word for you but your very life and by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going over to, to the Jordan to possess." Basically, he's saying to them, you need to understand that the word of God that we have just given to you, that you have had articulated to you over these years in the wilderness experience, these things are your life. You need to understand that it is the word of God that sustains your life. It is the same word that he used to create things that is inherent in this book that we hold in our hands. And that word has life changing capacity. It has the potential to to revolutionize your entire existence and that you will then not only have long life, but you will have happy life. It is the means by which we can find peace and stability and happiness and joy, no end. And I find it very uh, interesting timing that Moses is telling them this just before they go over into the promised land. Just that point when they're literally about to enter into a place where they will have everything that they have been told that they will need not only that they've got some big battles to face but it's interesting to me in this time and in this era with two things happening where there is a there is a a, a double pronged circumstance that we face not only do we have a number of huge battles to face as a community and as a people as a church when we are just on the cusp of the promised land but there is also some essential truths that we need to remember at the risk of this whole situation diffusing, this whole situation regarding the coronavirus dissipating, we will have to face life circumstances as it was beforehand, where there's none of this hype, none of this fear mongering, none of this, you know, intense kind of anticipation. We will have to face that same potential complacency or that same potential uh, everything at our fingertips kind of a circumstance that the Israelites were then going to face. And so the word of God is good for the times when there is difficulty and trial that we're about to face and it is good for the times when there is, uh, uh, I guess, times of plenty where everything is at your disposal and you lack nothing when you are inclined to want to forget your God because you've got everything that you need and this is what we face in most secular societies. People are disinclined to hear or to seek God Uh, and, and this is a running theme throughout the scripture as well that people are just not inclined to want to seek God out and so difficult circumstances come as they walk away from his original plan for them. And then that is the spark that turns their attention back to God and his word for comfort and stability and support. The other point that I wanted to make regarding the living word of God is just how essential it is that we find Jesus in scripture. Uh, I'm remembering the verse in John chapter 5 and verse 39 that says, uh, you search the scriptures, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees, those who are probably the most uh, aware of what the scriptures say on the surface, but just that... You are searching the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. In other words, the the scriptures are there to tell of me, to tell of Jesus, to point our attention to Jesus. And although, like I've been saying, we can use the scriptures as a means to guiding our path, as a means to finding fulfillment and finding happiness in life, that is all superficial and ineffective, if so be that we do not find the God of the Bible, which is Jesus himself, as clearly spoken of in the first chapter of the book of John where it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then following through into verse 14, talking about how the Word was made flesh, and it's not per chance that John uses the Word to define Jesus, to describe the Messiah that was to come, because he's trying to highlight the point that this is the very testi- the, the testified one. This is the one that the whole of Scripture has been pointing towards, He has finally come. This is the moment. And so it's important for us in light of those two verses, John 1 verses 1 through to 3 and verse 14 and John 5 verse 39, that we focus our attention when looking to scripture to see a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, why is that? What's the the importance of that? Why is that relevant? Well, the, the relevance of that is the fact that Jesus is the one that is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the one that has begun the good work in us and will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So unless we are learning how he plans to do that in our lives, unless we are deciphering his intentions for our day-to-day existence, we will not find any benefit above the superficial, uh, temporal, transient experience here on earth. We will not find that eternal life, which uh, John 17 3 says is to know him and jesus and 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 god the father as well so it says that uh this is eternal life that they may know thee the only true god and jesus christ whom you have sent this is the whole purpose that deep intimate personal knowledge and in and, and connection with with the divine if we only find ourselves a satisfying and peaceful and happy life here on this earth then we are missing an eternity of the hereafter with him So to put it simply, the Bible is a means for us to develop a relationship with the divine. And because of our carnality, our inability to uh, interact with the divine on a face-to-face level, as you know, depicted in the story of the Israelites at the bottom of Mount Sinai, Jesus can't actually just manifest himself in all his glory. This is why he took on himself the form of a man when he came to earth and was able to demonstrate God's character in a temporal kind of form for us to understand. If he was to manifest himself in all of his glory in front of us, we would be terrified as we can see in various occasions throughout scripture of people seeing God in his glory or in the temple or uh, however it was. So God needed to somehow package the picture of his character to humanity in a way that they would be able to digest and this is why one of the reasons why I believe that God gave us his word rather than uh, gave us himself in, in all his manifest glory although he is desirous of that as the the verse in the book of Isaiah 59 says uh, that the arm of the Lord is not shortened and that it cannot save the hand is not shortened and that he cannot uh, provide but our iniquities have separated us from God and it's not anything of his volition it's of ours so when he comes to the garden after adam and eve have fallen they run from him and hide he's coming after them and in a similar sense uh, this is the 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 purpose of the word of god is to come after us in a way that we would be able to respond to without being terrified for our life and so this is the replacement before the time that we can actually enjoy the full fruits of uh, a divine human relationship Uh, In a similar sense to me developing a relationship with my wife prior to our marriage, there was uh, certain limitations and restrictions which were good to develop a healthy relationship prior to being married and uh, enjoying the the, the full glory of of living in each other's presence um, in in absolute um, vulnerability and in love. So before we could take that step, we needed to develop the more superficial aspects to our relationship or the less vulnerable kind of aspects of our relationship before we can take that next step. There's reasons for that for the protection of our long term relationship. We need to develop trust before we can take those steps and know that we can rest securely in the other person's love as we become more and more vulnerable to each other and this continues in our experience even after we're married um, and this is a similar kind of a sense. So uh, God used you- Uses the developing relationship that we have uh, to grow together as iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend and, and in the ultimate sense, uh, the the experience of a husband and a wife learning to grow. And, and there's been a lot of studies out that have shown that uh, a husband and wife uh, team in general, is so much more effective than a single person that doesn't have all the apparent burdens or uh, extra weight to carry around um, psychologically, emotionally, and all the rest of it when they have a relationship with somebody else. Generally speaking, the, the two are more effective than one at doing life. Each individual becomes more effective at doing life because they are connected closely with somebody else that is otherwise seen as a potential hindrance, realistically, from the worldly perspective. My point that I'm trying to make here is that, similarly, our relationship that develops with Jesus Christ is to that end. The only difference being it's not that we get equal rubbing off on each other, it's more just that we get um, Jesus rubbing off on us. Uh, it's, it's more like instead of iron sharpening iron, it's kind of more like we are the iron being sharpened upon the anvil of Jesus Christ um, and being purified uh, by the Father in the process but um, it's like by beholding you become change and I've noticed that I am starting to think more and more like my wife just as she is starting to think more and more like me and we're starting to talk in similar ways and we're slowly becoming more and more like each other without knowing that that's actually even happening just because we're spending time with each other and this is the spiritual principle same sort of thing when we spend time with jesus one-on-one is we develop a relationship that slowly rubs off onto us that changes us from the inside out and we become changed and this is uh, basically covering Thursday's lesson called The Transforming Power of the Word of God. In other words, that we are transformed because we are spending time in the Word of God, getting to know God, getting to know his character, so that we are prepared then to meet him on that day as we build that trusting relationship similar to two people developing a uh, marriage relationship as well. Continuing that line of thought, the transforming power of the word of God, the lesson talked about in the book of Second Kings, chapter 22, King Josiah, who has the book of the law read to him, right? This has been put out of the way for a number of years and, and he's not aware of it. And then it comes to his attention that there's a lot of things that they're doing wrong and, and, and it breaks his heart and he ends up tearing his clothes, which is, you know, an indication of his just absolute mortification when having had the law of God shown to him where it's, uh, where he is not in line with the law of God. And this is, this is something that we really need to make sure of when we're developing that relationship with Jesus, that we don't remain obstinate, that we don't remain heavy-headed or, or thick, stiff-necked, as the Bible articulates. And same sort of thing in a marriage relationship. You, you need to be uh, willing to uh, be massaged or, or, or um, you, need, you need to be plastic in your relationship with your spouse as far as it lies within principle don't get me wrong um, and as far as you can uh, submit to them in a sense that it's going to help grow your character rather than turn you further away from Christ but in our relationship with Christ similarly we need to remember that when the book of the law is written or read read to us that it has a life-changing effect on our uh, on our character, not one that we are resistant against. We need to allow the word of God to have its work in our lives. And so we need to come to the word of God with the right attitude, which is demonstrated in the story of Josiah when he has the law of God read to him and it breaks his heart. We need to have an open-minded, uh, self-reflective loop in our brain that, that helps us to understand when we're not in line with the law of God and how we can realign ourselves or those mm-hmm. within our sphere of influence to the will of God, to the law of God as articulated in his word. So thanks for tuning in guys, a bit of a shorter one today and I just hope that it has been a blessing to you as it has been to me Uh, and as you continue to learn how to interpret scripture I just pray God's blessing upon you and upon uh, your Sabbath school classes as you take them through how they can learn to interpret scripture better than they have to this point in their lives. God bless you, thank you guys, we'll see you next time.